Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Tonight, the president of Harvard University resigns after criticism of the university's handling of anti-Semitism on campus and accusations of plagiarism in her academic past. Harvard's first black female president out after just six months on the job. An Israeli airstrike kills three Hamas leaders in Lebanon, including one of the founders of the group's military wing. What it could mean as the conflict widens. A deadly collision in Japan involving a passenger plane and a Coast Guard plane on its way to victims of the massive earthquakes there. We got a gunshot wound. Our new series, Guns in America. We spend a night in one of the nation's top medical trauma centers with a first-hand look at the impact of gun violence. You see people on their worst day. And they're on death's door. Shift a few seconds from here to there. And that shift can have a big impact. Google Maps and AI may mean less red lights in your future. When I look at a red light, I see opportunity. Opportunity to help drivers and opportunity to help the planet. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us. I'm Major Garrett in for Nora. We begin with a shakeup at the top of one of the nation's most prominent universities. The president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, resigned today following accusations of plagiarism and the university's alleged mishandling of anti-Semitism on campus since the start of the war between Israel and Hamas. The announcement comes less than a month after her congressional testimony that sparked outrage and intense backlash both from critics and prominent university donors. Gay becomes the second Ivy League leader to step down following last month's contentious hearing before the House Committee on Education. CBS's Nicole Killian has been following this story from the beginning and is here to start us off tonight. Nicole. Good evening. Good evening, Major. Pressure had been building on Claudine Gay to step down. Even though she apologized for her testimony last month, it wasn't enough, making her the shortest serving president in the history of the university. 
Six months into her tenure, Harvard University President Claudine Gay announced she's resigning so that our community can navigate this moment of extraordinary challenge. Gay's resignation comes nearly a month after she and the presidents of UPenn and MIT faced widespread condemnation following this testimony at a House education hearing on anti-Semitism on college campuses. Does calling for the genocide of Jews violate Harvard's rules of bullying and harassment, yes or no? It can be, depending on the context. It does not depend on the context. The answer is yes, and this is why you should resign. House Republican Chair Elise Stefanik, a Harvard alum, posted two down, referring to Gay and Penn President Liz McGill, who also resigned days after the hearing. While Harvard's governing board initially backed Gay, she faced increasing scrutiny following charges of plagiarism in her dissertation and several articles, including reports of a new complaint filed this week. Gay, who was Harvard's first black female president, denied the allegations of plagiarism and stated, It has been distressing to have doubt cast on my commitment to confronting hate and to upholding scholarly rigor, and frightening to be subjected to personal attacks and threats fueled by racial animus. It came out of nowhere. Jonathan Frieden is a Harvard Law student who attended the congressional hearing and has experienced anti-Semitism on campus. The issues that exist are systemic and they still need to be addressed. So you think this is just the beginning? I hope that this is just the beginning. Harvard's governing body says Gay will stay on as a faculty member, and they have named an interim president. Tonight, there are now new calls for MIT's president to step down, although the school's board has previously said she has their full support, Major. Nicole Killian, thank you so much. We turn to escalating tensions in the Middle East now. In a suspected Israeli attack, a senior Hamas leader who was also a founder of the group's military wing was killed in an explosion in Beirut. This comes as fears mount that the war in Gaza will spread. CBS's Ian Lee reports tonight from Tel Aviv. An explosion rocked southern Beirut Tuesday evening, killing seven Hamas militants, including a top commander and founder of the group's military wing, Saleh el Aruri, a man wanted by the Israelis and Americans. The U.S. government had a nearly $5 million bounty on his head. Since Hamas's brutal attack on October 7th, Israel has been engaged on multiple fronts, from Lebanon to Yemen. Iranian-backed Houthi rebels fire missiles and drones toward Israel and are attacking commercial ships by sea and air, threatening to disrupt the world's economy and send oil prices soaring. Shipping giant Maersk will now sail around the Horn of Africa to avoid the Red Sea, adding thousands of miles to the journey. In recent days, the U.S. Navy destroyed three small Houthi boats attempting to board a container ship. In response, Iran says it sent a destroyer to the region. Iran analyst Seema Shine believes this is all part of Iran's plan to end the war in Gaza. The other steps that might be done is to bring the U.S. to put pressure on Israel to stop. And they think by putting pressure on the United States and the international shipping lanes, they can achieve that objective. It is one of the ways that they believe that might put pressure on Israel to stop. Israeli officials say the war could last throughout the year until Hamas is destroyed. But many Palestinians wonder what price they'll have to pay until the fighting ends. And tonight, Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah condemned the assassination of El Aruri as a serious assault on Lebanon and vowed that his killing will not go unpunished. 
Major. Ian Lee, thank you very much. Now to a fiery disaster in Japan following the powerful earthquake that shook the nation on New Year's Day. A Japan Airlines flight carrying nearly 400 people burst into flames after colliding with a Coast Guard plane carrying relief supplies. The passengers and crew had about 90 seconds to escape. CBS's Elizabeth Palmer has the story from Tokyo. First, you see an explosion far down the runway. Then the Japan Airlines Airbus comes into view, trailing sparks and flame. Video from inside the cabin showed relative calm. But outside, fire was engulfing the aircraft. Pictures posted on social media show passengers escaping on evacuation slides and then running for their lives. Incredibly, all 379 people on board got out. I saw the fire in the engine, said Satoshi Yamaki, but only when we got away from the plane did I see how fast the flames were spreading. I can only say it was a miracle, said Tsubasa Sawada. If we hadn't got out right then, we could all have died. As the Airbus burned out of control, authorities said it had collided on the runway with a smaller plane belonging to Japan's Coast Guard. Five of the six crew members were killed. In a tragic twist, they'd been on their way to another disaster to bring relief supplies to Ishikawa in western Japan, the area devastated on New Year's Day by a powerful earthquake. The scale of the damage in this relatively remote area is now becoming clear. Many older wooden houses, not built to modern earthquake-proof standards, simply collapsed. Whole neighborhoods disintegrated. And now rescuers are racing the clock, fighting mudslides, wrecked roads, and strong aftershocks to find anyone who may still be alive but trapped in the ruins. Local authorities have now confirmed 55 people dead, but uh, Major, that number is bound to rise because some of the rescue queues haven't even managed to penetrate to the farthest flung corners of the earthquake zone. Elizabeth Palmer, thank you. Former President Trump filed an appeal today asking the Superior Court in Maine to overturn a ruling that keeps him off the March primary ballot. The court now is until January 17th to make a decision. Maine's Secretary of State last month disqualified Trump from the ballot over his alleged role in the attack on the U.S. Capitol nearly three years ago. Trump is expected to appeal a similar ballot ruling in Colorado to the U.S. Supreme Court. And New Jersey Senator Bob Menendez was hit with new federal charges today, alleging that he used his influence to promote the Middle Eastern nation of Qatar in exchange for gifts, including luxury watches. Menendez is already facing charges for allegedly taking bribes of gold bars, among other things, to help Egypt's government. Menendez has denied the charges and resisted calls to resign. Turning now to the weather, a new Pacific storm is expected to soak the West Coast before marching across the country later in the week. For details, let's bring in meteorologist Mike Bettis from our partners at the Weather Channel. Mike, good evening. Major, good evening. We have a blockbuster storm in the making that could become a bona fide nor'easter by this weekend across the northeast. It gets its origins here, though, in the west with significant rain, two to three inches in spots, and significant mountain snow, feet in the Cascades, the Sierra Nevada, as well as the Colorado Rockies. From here, though, it marches its way to the middle of the country, produces some pretty significant rain across the south, potentially even severe weather, and then snow across the northern side of that. It only gets more intense as we get toward the weekend. More rain across the south and significant snow, potentially 
eventually across the Ohio Valley and then right into the northeast. With low tracking off the coast, a pretty significant snowmaker could be in the works here for I-95. A lot of places here that haven't had snow, literally big snow in years. You can see as of right now, Major, it looks like pretty good snow really hugging the I-95 corridor. Mike Bettis, thank you. Police in Rochester, New York, gave an update today on a deadly crash outside a concert just after midnight on New Year's Day. Investigators say the suspect has now died after crashing his rented SUV into another car, killing two passengers. Police released photos of the suspect buying gas canisters days before the crash and say he had at least a dozen filled with fuel when he appeared to target a pedestrian crossing. Police also say there is no evidence this was politically motivated or linked to terrorism. Tonight, health officials are warning about the spread of respiratory illnesses nationwide, fueled, as we might expect, by holiday gatherings and travel. The CDC says more than half the country is seeing a rise in COVID, flu, and RSV cases. CBS's Meg Oliver reports the spike in cases comes as fewer Americans are getting vaccinated. COVID is making a comeback across the country with the most hospitalization seen since February of last year. It's concerning in the sense that the the volume of patients is higher. The emergency room at St. Joseph's Medical Center in Patterson, New Jersey, is packed with patients. Hospital admissions for COVID more than tripling here from a month ago. How concerned are you with the increase? Uh, They are sicker, especially patients that are the most vulnerable, that have comorbid disease, things like cancer or respiratory disease. Nationwide, emergency room visits and deaths are up from the previous week. And it's not just COVID cases that are climbing. We're starting to see a higher number of all influenza-like illnesses, influenza A, RSV, and other viral illnesses. 31 states are reporting high or very high levels of respiratory illnesses, including flu and RSV. Are a lot of these people vaccinated? A lot of patients are, yes, but we do have a number of patients who still are not as well. Less than 50 percent of adults and children have been vaccinated against the flu. The numbers are even lower for COVID. The case counts so concerning at least 10 states and Washington, D.C. have reinstated mass mandates in some hospitals. Right now, what we're focused on is making sure that if the respiratory situation gets even worse, that the hospitals will be able to scale up and respond appropriately. The CDC is encouraging those who have not received a flu shot or an updated COVID vaccine to do so, saying it's not too late and it's the best protection against severe illness. Major. There is still time. Meg Oliver, thank you. Turning now to the epidemic of gun violence in the U.S. Last year, there were 656 mass shootings nationwide. That was the second most on record and the fourth straight year above 600. In our series, Guns in America, CBS's Manuel Bajorquez reports from inside a high-level trauma hospital. Miami's Ryder Trauma Center sees about 400 gunshot wound victims a year. So we got a gunshot wound to the right femur. Rescue 2 is going to be around you momentarily. County Rescue 2. On this uh, night last summer, doctors and nurses treated several patients with bullets embedded in their legs or literal holes in their hands. You see people on their worst day and they're on death's door. Nurse Beth Sunquist says as a level one trauma center, those who make it here have a better chance. In a matter of minutes, you can have your trauma surgeon here and he's the same one that walks back and is in the operating room with you. And if you went to a smaller outside hospital, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. And you wouldn't survive. 
What strikes Dr. Gabriel Ruiz is how young many of the victims are. It's the biggest killer of children in our country. That impact, we don't even know how big it is, but we think that it might be bigger than cancer and cardiovascular disease, smoking, obesity, things that we as a society actively work on. Um, I think the impact of gun violence is greater than those diseases. And the wounds, he says, have become more severe. We see also patients that have very, very serious injuries with very high energy weapons that actually mimic those that are seen in war. In fact, this is where the U.S. Army trains some of its trauma surgeons before being deployed. Um, Dr. Ian Fowler, an Army major, is one of the instructors. I think that it gives them the ability to really work on our team dynamics and hopefully better prepare them for, uh, for if they're about to deploy or any type of activation that they may be having in the future. These doctors and nurses are on the front lines of the nation's gun violence epidemic, removing one bullet at a time, handing it off to police for their criminal investigation, and waiting to see what else the night might bring. And Walpa Jorquez, CBS News, Miami. A man is arrested after a tense standoff inside the building that houses Colorado's Supreme Court. Details next. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. A man is under arrest tonight in Colorado after firing multiple shots and causing extensive damage inside the building that houses the state Supreme Court in Denver. Police say after crashing his car, the man shot out a window and forced his way inside where he held a security guard at gunpoint before surrendering. Investigators say the incident is not linked to threats to the court following a ruling last month to remove Donald Trump from the primary ballot. The New York City and Washington, D.C. areas were rattled today by small earthquakes. A 2.3 magnitude quake centered near Rockville, Maryland, struck just before 1 a.m., followed by a 1.7 earthquake that shook a neighborhood in Queens, New York. There were no reports of serious damage or injuries. For the first time in the history of Powerball, someone has hit the jackpot on New Year's Day. The winning ticket was sold in Grand Blank, Michigan. The $842 million jackpot is the fifth largest in the game's history. And the cash payout, before taxes, tops $425 million. Our Protecting the Planet series is next with a high-tech solution to one city's traffic problem. It turns out red lights are not just bad for your stress levels, they're also bad for the environment. Now one city is getting help from a tech giant and artificial intelligence to address the problem. CBS's Ben Tracy takes a look in our continuing series, Protecting the Planet. 
So we're at an intersection. We're stopped. Most of us hate getting stuck at red lights. When I see a red light, I'm annoyed. <laughs> but Juliet Rothenberg is not like most of us. When I look at a red light, I see opportunity. Her job with Google is to make traffic lights like those at three intersections in Seattle more efficient and less annoying. Shift a few seconds from here to there. And that shift can have a big impact. Google's new Project Greenlight system uses its vast maps database and artificial intelligence to optimize traffic lights around the world. Are these intersections coordinated already? So they're actually not. The system suggests changes, and city engineers then decide if they want to implement them. We had one case where we moved four seconds from a north-south street to an east-west street. For a particular time of day, and then that can help reduce some of that stop and go traffic. Once the system gives you a recommendation, how quickly could you make an adjustment? You know, it can take us five minutes. Seattle is the first U.S. city to try this, but the program is being tested out at 70 intersections in 13 global cities, impacting 30 million car trips per month. Google claims it could reduce stop and go traffic by up to 30 percent. It means a lot for drivers, and it also means a lot for emissions. She says half of vehicle emissions at intersections come from cars accelerating after stopping, and Google thinks it can reduce those by 10 percent. It matters because transportation is the number one source of planet warming pollution in the U.S. So intersections are a really good leverage point for tackling climate. Google provides its service for free and plans to expand to thousands of cities. Creating what it calls a green wave for drivers. I feel like I engage with the red wave a lot more often than the green wave. <laughs> We're trying to change that. Ben Tracy, CBS News, Seattle. We will meet New Year's babies with a timely story to tell. That's next. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality, so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax: The way car buying should be. Okay, picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit hyundaiusa.com or call five six two three one four four six zero three for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Finally tonight, the new year brought in a unique story for two sets of twins born minutes apart from their sibling. First up, Ezra Humphrey of New Jersey came into the world on New Year's Eve, while his brother Ezekiel was born more than a half an hour later in 2024. Twins born on different days and different years—they're not alone. In Connecticut, Seven Morris was born one minute before midnight, while his baby sister Sue Lee followed three minutes later at 12:02 a.m. A second set of twins born a year apart. What a way to start the new year! And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. For Nora O'Donnell, I'm Major Garrett. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. 
or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Hi, it's Stephen Colbert, and I'm here to tell you about The Late Show Pod Show, which is the podcast of The Late Show with me, Stephen Colbert, and I'm here with my uh, producer of the podcast, Becca. Hi, Becca. Hi, Stephen. And how long have you been the, the producer of this? We've been doing this for two years now. Okay. And and what is it like to attempt to uh, get feedback from me about the podcast? Be honest about how quickly I respond to emails. You actually respond to emails surprisingly fast. Really? I, I think you might be the only person I respond to. <laughs> <laughs> I respond to quickly. Oh, well, that's good. Yeah. I expected I expected you to lay into me. Well, this was over the strike period. Oh, I had time. Yeah. See, that, that, does, that doesn't count. <laughs> Sure, I responded to everything because responding to you, putting reruns up on the podcast was like a form of employment. Yeah. And I felt like I had something to get up for every yeah. day. So thank you for that. Listen to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>